Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for your precious word. Bless it to us, we pray. May we be educated, enlightened. May we be in a place where you want us to be with the knowledge that we need to be the people you want us to be on this earth. And we thank you that you've given us a written document, which we call the Bible, full of information. Holy Spirit, we know that without your help, this information is not of any use to us. But with your help, and as we open our hearts and our minds, sincerity of heart, you are able to give us revelation, so that this word is not just intellectual knowledge, as important as that is, but it becomes revelation knowledge inside of us, enabling us and empowering us to do your work, that your kingdom may go forward in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, the title of this message is Miracle Atmosphere. A miracle Atmosphere. The theme that we're following for this part of the year as God directed me was overcoming faith, faith that actually works, practical faith in you and my lives so that we can actually operate like the Lord did on this earth. Now, we stand very firmly for divine health, healing. Amen. We realize that part of the church's function is to bring health. Christ functioned to a large extent to heal people. It was foremost almost on his agenda. And in healing people, many got saved and came into the kingdom and believed in him. See. And in the same way, you and I, we cannot put on the back burner this whole business of healing because it's critically important. And as we're going to see from the scriptures, God wants us to be used. So today we're going to be talking about practicalities of being used. I'm going to read four short scriptures, all right, and we tie them all up. Mark 6 from verse 54. Mark chapter 6 verse 54. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through the whole surrounding region, and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, and the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. Isn't that beautiful? As many as touched him were made well. Oh, how we need that anointing in our society today. Luke 4, verse 40, very similar. Luke chapter 4, verse 40. When the sun was setting, all those that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Once again, isn't that awesome? He laid hands on every one of them and healed them. Luke 6, verse 19, while we're in Luke Luke chapter 6, verse 19. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. Isn't that beautiful? Power went out of him. And any who touched him, he healed them all. All. Amen. Finally, our marching orders, Mark 16, verse 15. This is Christ before he ascends into heaven. Last words to his disciples, he said, and obviously when he's speaking to his disciples, he's also speaking to us. He said to them, Mark 16 verse 15, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. 
and these signs shall follow them who believe. These signs will follow, which is every one of us here, because we all believe, will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You see that? They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, as I said, as a church, we encourage the ministry of healing. We always have, and we always will. We regard it as extremely important. And today, I just want to speak on a practical level. You see, there's one thing knowing the truth, and this is the pattern. The truth is that God wants everybody healed. Can you all say amen? amen. God gets no pleasure out of people suffering. Have you ever come to somebody suffering and say, wow, wonderful to see you suffering. Yes, isn't it wonderful? No, it's not. No, it's not. Let's not let the devil lie to us. Amen. You can learn a lot while we are suffering. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. But ultimately, God doesn't want you and I just to suffer. He wants us to go through suffering. Suffering is there. We've never denied it. Sickness is out there. We've never denied it. But God wants us to confront it, amen, and go through. But you see, not only go through, bring that healing anointing from heaven and deliver it at the doorstep of those who need it, amen. That is what we are called to do. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. It all goes together, casting out demons as well. Now you see, the truth is God wants people healed. So when you see somebody who is sick, Know in your heart, God wants them healed. Amen. Amen. Now, the next question is this, and this is when we speak about wisdom. Remember the formula. The truth plus wisdom results in salvation. Okay? Truth plus wisdom results in salvation. We know the truth. God wants people healed. What is the big question right there? Wisdom. How must you and I go about appropriating that healing. Does everybody understand that? Every situation is different. You follow the life of Christ. He did not heal very often in the same way. There are different scenarios where he healed, individually and in a mass crusade, as it were. There are different ways he went about it. Sometimes touching the hem of the garment, sometimes laying hands, sometimes giving specific instruction. You see, every situation is different. Now, you and I come into a scenario where there's somebody who needs healing because there's sickness. The big question now is, how do you and I go about it? Does everybody understand this? See, it's not a case of one size fits all. Oh, you're sick, let me lay hands on you, boom. That's a lot better than doing nothing, let me be honest. But, you see, we've got to pick up from the Master certain principles. All right, certain principles. And if we understand these principles, how they interact... In any situation, we'll be better equipped to minister healing. Can everybody say amen? amen? Can you see that? So you understand what we're about now. We're going to look at the Lord and his life. We're going to see certain principles that emerge from the way he operated. And you see, thereby being equipped. So when we come into a situation where there's sickness and God wants to heal those people, we'll know better how to go about it. Can everybody say amen? amen. All right, it's the equipping service. We need to learn. 
All right, now, I have bandied this thought around in my mind for quite a while. We listened to Kenneth Hagen, and he was awesome when it comes to healing. Cancers, everything. He just had a tremendous word of knowledge operating in his life and a gift of healing. But very often he would just pray in faith, not with any special anointing, so to speak. And he said that there's two conditions. I always used to think there were three. But now that I think about it, I realize not only are there three, there are four, and there are five. Five, how shall I say, situations or variables that can contribute to this, what I call, atmosphere for miracles. You see, we're relying on God for miracles, supernatural healings. Okay? There's a distinction between creative miracles in the Word and healing miracles. Healing miracles where the body is prompted by the Holy Spirit to heal itself as it was designed. And it can be done supernaturally and with great rapidity and great amazement. But you see, there's also the creative miracles, which are another ball game altogether. We have pacemakers removed and heart valves restored totally, or even whole organs restored. There have been wonderful miracles. Smith Wigglesworth, I love this testimony. He says to a brother or a friend who had his one foot amputated, he said, I'm going to buy you a pair of shoes tomorrow. <laughs> So he comes with his friend to the shoe shop and he sits there and he says, I would like a pair of shoes for my friend. And the shoe attendant said, must I just bring one? No, bring two, bring two. And the miracle is when he tries to fit the one shoe onto the foot that wasn't there, the foot that wasn't there was suddenly there. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? God can do anything. But let's not get sidetracked. There are five areas I want to speak about. Things that I want you and I just to be aware of. When we come into a situation where somebody needs to be prayed for, amen, do you understand? Just things to keep in your mind and my mind so that we can make sure that our influence in that situation is maximized, all right? Maximized, all right? We need to read the situation and do what we can to create what I call this atmosphere of miracles, if possible. Can I just say sometimes it's not that possible? Sad to say, for one of these reasons. Well, first of all, you see, obviously, there's faith involved. God cannot operate without faith. That substance of believing, that has got to be in the situation. Without that, there will be no miracle. That's how it is. Sad to say, well, praise God, there's a good reason for it, but God is only pleased when there's faith. He created this world by faith. Any creative miracle, healing miracle will take place when you and I have faith. And if you follow him closely, every single time he demands of people faith. But you see, it's all very well demanding of others and we'll get there now. What's very important is that you and I have maximized our faith. Amen? We need to be continually developing our faith. You see? That's when it comes to overcoming sickness with our faith. Using our faith in our own right and developing our faith. We've talked about this ad infinitum. It's so important. You see, if you and I come into a situation, we need to know that we are doing the best we can with our faith in that situation. Okay. I mean, if we neglect our faith to maintain it, to develop it, it's not going to happen. It won't happen. All right? Our faith is critically important. You see, the Lord often, because all these other things were not available, had to use his own faith, and it worked. Coupled with that, please note something. Faith works together with love. You and I must have the love of God in our heart. Don't confuse faith and love. 
Faith is what induces the anointing of God to heal in the situation. All right? Faith draws the power that is there into the situation. You see, the truth of the matter is God's power is right here to heal every single sickness or disease. Did you know that? And if I can put it like this, we have the duty of actually conducting that power into the situation. Amen? Like electricity to a large extent. We've got to make sure that there's that connection. And that connection is facilitated by faith. All right? By faith. It's almost like when there's a thunderstorm around, where's the lightning going to strike? The highest point. Amen? I always laugh about this, that one Halloween, this church collectively met at the copy there at Cornwall Hill. And we did all our spiritual mumbo-jumbo with the horns and blah de blah de blah But we got off that mountain pretty quick, I'll be honest with you. We didn't linger there. Why? There was a massive thunderstorm in the area. So, I mean, it doesn't make good sense, does it? To be on the highest point between Joburg and Pretoria when there's a massive thunderstorm with lightning. I mean, you know, we could have made a human sacrifice right there. <laughs> we could have called down the fire of God onto us. But why? The higher the point. Now, you see, when you and I lift up in faith, let me put it that way, just an illustration. You see, we can conduct more of this power. You'll notice the power was on him to heal. Did you notice that? They sensed the power of God on him. The anointing was on him. He made a point. He would deliver that anointing on the earth and then go up the mountain and replenish. All right? That was his nature, and that's the pattern for you and I. So I'm just encouraging us. We need to continually be developing our faith, but it must be accompanied by love. And the way I'd like to put it is this, another analogy. You see, the faith is the power that conducts the electricity, as it were, but it's love that is the grease. It's love that makes it flow. Love that makes it flow. You notice the Lord, when the horrible incident of John's murder, he gets to know about this terrible thing that happened to his very close friend, relative possibly, and you can sense he just wanted to get away. But the crowds found him. The crowds found him. And let me tell you, if you're not feeling up to it, that's the last time you want to see a crowd. But you know what happened? The Bible says he was moved with compassion. Compassion of God came over him and gave him the strength. And great miracles took place. So let me just say this. We need to be moved with compassion. I don't know if there's something wrong with me. I don't know if I'm losing it. But I was in the supermarket just the other day. and I don't mean to share this, but I just want to... I'm embarrassed about it, actually. But this lady, you know, one of those attendants there, she's walking ahead of me, and I could see that she's walking with a limp. Walking with a limp. And I just went up to her and said, Mama, what's wrong? She started to weep. She said, my, my leg, big pain in my leg. I got so, got all tearful. How pathetic. Got a job to do, and I said, can I pray for you? In the middle of the supermarket. Thank God there weren't many people. But I was so overcome. I sort of messed it up. I think I just prayed for a foot. I don't know what happened to you, God. But you know, when you and I look upon this as a sort of thing we have to do, it's not going to work. You understand. We have to be moved with something. When we see people in suffering, and I mean, I've had a few physical problems, but in those problems, you learn that it's not just a case of, oh, there's a person there that needs healing. That person is battling, need help. And I had to watch Janet for years, I mean, with her leg. Agony, it was just heartbreaking. 
But you see, we've got to mix faith with that love. And a good prayer, say, Lord, thank you that your love is shed abroad in my heart. Your love is shed abroad in my heart. I mean, and expect in that condition, when you see people that are suffering, to have God's compassion come upon you right there. That's a good sign that it's time to step out. Okay, so we've got to look after ourselves is what I'm saying, because we are the agents of God that should know in this situation. Can you all say amen? And it takes maintenance, you understand? We've got to maintain that. That's why we teach about faith and teach how to develop our faith and how to do these things. I mean, so that come the situation, we don't say, oh, we have to get you to the pastor, or oh, you know, we have to get some great evangelist or what. No, you are the person right there that God wants to be used. We need to be equipped. Amen. The second thing is, undoubtedly, the faith of the person you are praying for does matter. It does matter. Amen? We can't use it as a cop-out, but it does matter. Christ always said to people, do you believe? Amen? Do you believe? Do you believe I can do this for you? You see? You'll notice throughout the blind man, what do you want? When he asked the man what he wanted, do you know what he wanted him to do? express faith in his ability to heal his eye. Do you see that? He was trying to draw some sort of faith out of him. Now, very often, in our society, most people don't have any faith whatsoever. Sad to say. Some people do. And I went into the hospital once and there was his mother. And I think her child's name was Rejoice or something wonderful like that, a little baby. And um, you know what? This was so unusual. I said, can I pray for your child? Oh, yes, hallelujah, praise God. Big smile on her face and... Oh, my soldier, it was the easiest thing on earth just to agree, and that child was out of that hospital. Chop, chop. Amen. But that's not always the case. Now, you see, it's wrong for you now to say, oh, that person doesn't have any faith, and I'm not going to pray. No, no. Our duty is to try and get some sort of faith level. You understand? Because if a person can believe, can give God just a little bit of faith, it makes it a lot easier for that power to flow. Does everybody understand? If you can encourage people in their faith, you see, then you are creating an atmosphere for the miracle to take place. We are. And you notice Christ, when he went out into the wilderness, he didn't just heal people, he very often preached first. He taught and then he healed. What was he doing when he was teaching? Do you understand? What was he teaching? He was teaching them about God's love, the kingdom of heaven, and about God's power to heal them. Amen? That's what he was teaching. So you see, when it came time for them to be prayed for, there was a collective believing. Amen? Can I just say, if you and I come across an individual situation, there won't be time to go through the faith teaching, will there? You can't do it. But you see, what we can do is to help people in that situation to give God some opening. Alright? Some opening. And you see, I very often ask people, do you believe that God can do this? And very often they will pay lip service to make you feel happy and say yes. Alright? But that's better than them saying no and cutting God off. Do you understand? And I've learned that very often what you and I say can build people's faith without them really knowing it. One of the phrases I used to very often use, once they told me all the bad news, I would say this, nothing's impossible for God. Amen? Or I used to say, nothing's too big for God. Which is true, and everybody should know that in a way. And immediately, the moment one said that, you could see that something broke in the people, and they realized, you see, possibly God can do this. 
Are you hearing me? But that was important. Because if they're sitting there, standing there with unbelief all over their faces, it's going to be so hard to pray for somebody. So you see, we have a duty to try and encourage people, and it takes realizing where they are. Amen? Realizing where people are at, and just trying to somehow encourage them a little bit in their faith. Sometimes can I just say, you realize you're not going to get anywhere, and it's going to need as much faith as we can possibly produce. Can I just say, if there's great faith by one person, all these other things can, in a sense, be minimized. All right? It's not a case of you've got to have all these boxes ticked before God can do the miracle. It's not true. Amen? Does everybody understand this? This is not a process where you just tick it off. No, 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 this is a spirit. And we've got to encourage that spirit of faith in the situation. All right? Very important. That's why I very often used to take oil. That anointing oil here, we've got it. There's no supernatural power in this anointing oil, let me tell you. But sometimes in a desperate situation, when you and I apply this oil, it triggers off a sense of, well, now God's in this place. You see? It's just a means to an end. Does everybody grasp that? There's no power in the oil, but it helps people's faith. As I used to say to people then, I prayed for them with the oil, I said, listen, what I'm doing is, if it was a child or whatever, by putting the oil on this child, we're saying this child belongs to God. We're marking this child for God. It's not Satan's property, he's got no right. You understand? And I found that very often helped people's faith. Amen. Praise God. All right, is everybody picking this up? There's a lot to be said on every subject, but I just want to mention them to you. The other area that is very important is what I will call authority. You see, for God's healing to flow, we have to recognize a chain of authority. All right? It's like any business or any organization, there's a chain of authority. We don't expect God to come down from heaven personally and do it, but he's got to have an authority structure which he can trust through, which he can flow. Amen? And you and I are the primary conductor or conduit. You and I are in any situation. However, that authority has got to flow from us to the person who needs the healing. And what I need to say is that, you see, we've got to recognize that authority and we've got to encourage it. You'll find the Lord never just prayed for people willy-nilly. Did you know that? They had to give him permission. They had to request it. They had to ask it of him. The widow of Nain is probably a slight exception, but I think by looking at her, she was begging for her child to be restored. Do you understand? But he never imposed himself on anybody. Never. But when people asked, he went. Why? They gave him permission. And you realize that when you're praying for somebody, you've got to have their permission. Amen? Because if you do, they're recognizing your authority to pray for them. Does that make sense? You see, if they're not prepared to do that, you can't help them because that power will be cut off. Amen? It's like the meter we've got here. If we don't punch those numbers in, it will cut off. You see? And you and I have got to always recognize, if we are, for example, praying for somebody else's children, we must have the parents' permission, agreement. You see? It's very, very important. Very important. It's, you can't just go in willy-nilly and pray. You've got to have permission. That's why I will not go to the hospital now, because we do not have permission. With COVID and all that, it's a no-no. I'd love to go, really, but you can't. Why? No authority. And when I did operate, they always 
made sure the matron in charge knew I was there, what I was doing, made sure that she was happy with what was going on. You can't go into somebody's house and blow the shofar and pray down God's path if they haven't given you permission. They might catch you on the closed circuit television and think you're completely weird. You can't do that. Do you understand? You've got to have permission because then you have authority. Is everybody grasping this? People's wills are so very, very important. We have to recognize that. The classic example was that Roman centurion. He came to the Lord. He said, my servant or my son, there's two accounts. Please, will you come and heal him? He didn't even bat an eyelid. He said, I'm on my way. But that centurion, coming from a military background, understood something. There's authority structures in the world and in the spirit. He just somehow understood that. He said, don't bother to come. You see, don't bother to come. Why? Well, I understand authority. I tell people what to do, they do it. I recognize, now this is what he was actually saying, I recognize on you supreme authority. You see that? I recognize that authority in you, and all you have to do is just give the word, and it will happen. Lo and behold, it happened. You see, but he recognized the power of authority. So you see, in a sense, as a church, we like to do things under authority. I'll be very honest with you. And you see, if you don't belong to a church, you're just a free agent going all over the place, like I was for a period of time. There's no power when you pray. It just doesn't work. Why? You're not under authority. You understand this? You see, the more you and I understand authority, the more authority we exercise. It's so important to grasp that. Do you see that? It's like a flow. An authority flow. And if I'm in a situation I don't have authority to pray for somebody, I will not pray for them. I can pray for them quietly. Amen. On my own. I can do you and I can do that. We had occasions where we didn't really have the authority, so we couldn't really launch in with all the power that was available to us. We couldn't. The authority was not granted to us. And I need to say that it doesn't mean that you and I are in a situation I haven't got any authority. Don't use it as a cop out not to pray. Amen. You might come across somebody like that lady in the supermarket. I asked her. You understand? I asked her. She's not in our church. doesn't matter. I asked her, would you like me to pray? She said, please. If she had said no, or she had shown me that she was a bit dubious about it, I would have backed off. Tears and all. I would have backed off. Why? Pointless. Are we grasping this? It's so important to recognize this principle and do it. That's why the Lord always got permission from the parents, respected the people that were involved. He prayed for those who allowed him. That one synagogue case where the power was present to heal, the man's arm was healed, he couldn't pray for the scribes and the Pharisees. Why? They were busy scoffing and reasoning in their heart. They did not recognize who he was, so he didn't have any authority to pray for them, even though the power of God was available to them. Had they said, Lord, please, we have got physical problems. Can you pray for us? Of course he would. wouldn't have bothered if they were scribes, Pharisees, centurions, Samaritans, doesn't matter. Humanity is what he's after, and he wants it restored. But there are certain principles. Amen. So you've already grasped this so far, all right, these three things. Number four, you'll notice that there's always that point of contact. Do you see that? Throughout those scriptures, there's always a point of contact. It's so important. It's very much like for that power to flow, there needs to be a physical point of contact, connection. Right? Remember the woman with the issue of blood. If I can grasp the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. 
The moment she made that contact, the healing could flow. Amen? You see that? The healing could flow. The greater the faith in the people and the greater the faith, the less the need for that contact. Like that centurion. The point of contact was just the word. That was all that was necessary because he had such great faith. He drew it. But very often, for your and my faith and for the person's faith involved, it's so important that there is a point of contact. Notice, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I found it so important in praying for the sick somehow to get my hand on the child. And that was sometimes very difficult because of infection or whatever. Sometimes I had to wear like a moon suit just so that I could <laughs> put this lily white little hand on the child. And can I just say, the closer to the point of illness, the better. Why? That healing flows, and the closer it is, for some reason, it just works better. Amen. But please note sometimes, you can't get your hands on, or you can't make a point of contact. There was occasions where there were so many people that all that was necessary was Peter's shadow, but still it was a point of contact. Can you see that? And when you and I are going to pray for somebody who's sick, consider very carefully how you, without offending anybody, can make that point of contact. You have to be very cautious when it's people from another gender. Sometimes it's good to use a wife, etc. But even so, despite that, one can, using the right spirit, as it were, in the right heart, get that hand as close to the place that needs healing as possible. Sometimes it's not possible. Well, the other alternatives. Remember, Paul was preaching and the anointing that came upon his garments, handkerchiefs went out and that anointing went with the handkerchief. That handkerchief, that material formed a point of contact. There being cases, I'm sure it was that one little kid that was very seriously ill with heart problems. We couldn't get in, but what we could do was pray for over handkerchief. I've done that before and ask the nurse just to put this handkerchief under the pillow. Amen? Once the little baby was in an incubator, and I had a whole lot of religious cards with scriptures on them. And what I did, couldn't touch a child, obviously, prayed over that card, and I left the card on the incubator. Can you understand? It's For some spiritual, supernatural reason, it's so important that there is some form of point of contact, right? Just so that this power can actually flow. Amen. You've already got that. Sometimes it's not possible. Use your God-given imagination. I used that handkerchief business with one parent. He wouldn't let me near the child. I know this breaks down the whole authority structure, but I thought it's so desperate to get that child healed. I sent in a nurse with a handkerchief that had been prayed over. Amen. I did the best I could. The final thing I want to talk about is what I will call this atmosphere, collective faith. Now you'll see, whenever the Lord operated, he was very, very aware of this. If you read closely, I'll give you a few examples. Remember when Jairus came to him and said, my daughter is on the point of death, will you come and heal? He said, by all means, I'm on my way. The bad news comes, don't worry, the child is dead. He kept Jairus' faith up by saying, don't get into fear, only believe. All right, once again, you see, this parent had to have faith for the sake of the child, that authority structure. Nonetheless, they arrive at the scene, and as you all know, everybody there is weeping and wailing and enjoying the sort of funeral ceremony. And he says to them, get out. Get out. Why? 
Why? Well, you see, for him to do a miracle of the magnitude of restoring somebody from death to life, he could not afford to have a whole lot of negative mourners around. Do you get that? They would have killed that atmosphere, which would have made it very difficult for that miracle to take place. Can you see that? So he had to take necessary steps. He told them all, scram! And then he said, just to prove that he was mad, she isn't dead, she's sleeping. Oh, they all laughed, and I can imagine all scattering laughing. Oh, 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 we're in the presence of a madman. Oof, they scuttled. Thank God. He took two disciples and the parents alone into the room. Amen. Once again, the parents, what? They wouldn't have any clue about faith, etc., but they were necessary for the authority to actually be there. Amen. And although they may not have had faith, they would have wanted the healing to take place because remember, Jairus originally asked the Lord to come. Do you get it? Then he took his two disciples, which I assume he hoped had some sort of faith to contribute to the situation. In that environment, what could he do? Talitha Kumi, little girl, get up. It's very interesting what he said to the mother straight after that. He said, get her something to eat. And there's two reasons for that, I believe. The mother was so overwhelmed. It's the only term I can use. It's good to give her something practical to do. Amen? Very useful, that. But you see, he needed an environment where he could actually operate. The other side of the coin, when he goes to his hometown, you all know the scripture so well, there he is in his own hometown. And it's very clear in the Bible, it says that he, he, capital H, could do no mighty miracles. It's not that he didn't want to, you understand? He wanted to, but he couldn't. Why? Because of the unbelief. And the unbelief was based on familiarity. Who's this? We used to know him as a snotty-nosed kid in our community, and he thinks now he's the Messiah. You understand? It's like, hello? I mean, you know, we played the same games. You're just like the rest of us. So who do you think you are now? Because they saw him according to the flesh and not according to the spirit, guess what happened? The spirit of faith in that hometown was quenched. Quenched. He healed a few people. Thank God for that. But he could do no mighty miracles. There was no outpouring of the spirit of God, even though the power was there to heal. Amen. Can you see this? That environment actually stifled it. We're watching a Benny Hinn crusade. I mean, these things are awesome. You have to see them to believe them. But he's about to pray for all the pastors, which he often does. And when he prays for the pastors, they just all fall down like ninepins and go into their ministry with greater anointing than ever before. He's just about to pray for them. There's a security guard. And he's very firm. He says, please go. And then he said, your presence here can stifle the anointing. Now, it wasn't because the man was necessarily evil or wanted to do that. But what was he? He was doing his job as a security guard. But he wasn't there to receive. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And Benny Hinn had the sensitivity to realize, if you have one person here who's actually not in this whole thing, it can stifle the anointing. Mm -hmm. Alright? Agree with him or not? That's your choice. But that's how he operated. And then he went on and see mighty things happen. You see? It can happen so easily. I remember that one occasion where it says specifically, you remember the child that had an epileptic fit and the father came to the disciples, they couldn't do it and then they eventually got to him and he says these wonderful words, 
if you can believe all things are possible. And the man says, help my unbelief. I'd like to believe, I do believe, but help my unbelief. We all know that, we've been through that before. And then it says something interesting. The Lord saw the crowds coming. So he takes this child aside and heals him, gets him healed totally. In the process of him getting healed, please note, this demon manifests in a wild way. And for a time, they look at this child and they think the child's dead. I have sometimes been in a situation where I prayed for somebody, the thing went horribly wrong, or so I thought, and I thought to myself, oh my God, what have I done now? Only to discover later that the person totally recovered. Sometimes that is the case. Those things manifest, it gets worse before it gets better. I've learned not to go by sight. You just pray anyway. Amen. But you see, why did the Lord have to do it? Because he saw the crowd coming. What did he recognize? If all these people come with their unbelief, this difficult deliverance, because it was a heavy-duty deliverance, I assume it was a generational curse. child hadn't done anything wrong, just a generational curse. And sometimes those generational curses are much more powerful than just demons that people have taken on themselves sometimes. But anyway, it just seems to be the way it is. Do you see, he realized, if these people all get here and they're crowding me out, the unbelief with this child manifesting is going to make it so much more difficult. Amen? Very often you'll see the Lord take somebody aside. Remember that one blind man? He took him aside. Away from everybody. Why? You see, the man was partially healed. He saw men like trees and then he was totally healed. It took a bit of work. Do you understand? It took a bit of work sometimes. I remember Kenneth Hagin saying that he had great results with cancers, but he said hardly ever did one of those miracles take place immediately when he prayed. It always took place later on, you see. And that's where the devil cashes in, because you and I pray the prayer of faith. People go from an environment of great faith, and they go into an environment where this faith is not there. That's where the enemy can clobber them. Can you see that? So you see, you and I, if we are praying for the sick, it's sometimes very important to try and, as best we can, as best we can, using the wisdom of God to create an environment where faith can reign. Amen. You see, you might have people that are scorners and mockers. Maybe it's just say, look, can we please go somewhere else to pray for this? Amen. Can you see that? You have to do it with great wisdom and great caution. But you see, if you understand these things, you realize, listen, in this environment, it ain't going to happen. Amen. What have we got to do? Try and change the environment. That's why you won't walk into a nightclub and very easily get anybody healed. Amen? Amen? What's the environment like there? Full of faith? Joy, peace, praise unto God? No, not at all. Amen? You have to get those people out of there if you want to pray for them. Very often. Are you picking this up? Everybody. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, you're in a situation, there's a person in a wheelchair. You think, oh, I've got the anointing, let me raise them from the wheelchair. Hold on a minute. Find out about the situation. All right, get to know the person first, maybe. You understand, use wisdom. Why? Their faith is going to be very important. Their agreement. They've got to give you the permission to do it. And when they give you that permission, they've got to trust you. Amen? That's why I don't just lay hands just all of a sudden on people. Get to know them first. It's important. Why? They don't 
have that respect for you and what you're doing. You're wasting your time. And that occasions where people say, no, I don't pray. Thank you. One lady, I mean, intensive care there, her baby was. It's very funny, actually. This was really a typical, how should we call it, new age mother. So I'm doing my rounds, you see, and I come to her and say, can I pray for your child? Oh, no, no, in no circumstance, you touch my child. So that's fine, I moved on. Came the next day, came to the bed, I was about to pass by, she said, please pray for my child. Oh, my soul, what happened here? <laughs> you know what I found out happened? The day before, when I'd finished and had gone out, all the other mothers climbed into it. <laughs> they said to you, you know, this man comes here, he doesn't ask for anything, the least you can do. They really gave quite a thing, but she changed, and the opportunity arose to pray for them. Amen? Sometimes you've got to realize you cannot pray for people. You do not have permission. Quite sad. I think very often the Lord probably come across people that wouldn't allow him to heal them. Just, you know, sad, sad. His family wanted to pray for him, but they wouldn't let him. There was no atmosphere. The atmosphere wasn't right for that miracle to take place, and he recognized that. You understand? He recognized that. You'll notice something in his ministry. He started out in the synagogues. When things hotted up in the synagogues and the negativity started to arise from the religious circles, what did he have to do? He went out into the countryside. Amen. You might say, well, those people didn't give him authority. I think they did. They prepared to go all the way into the countryside to hear him and to let him pray for them. They were giving him authority, all right, you understand? It was their will involved, and they wanted what he had. They had the common sense to realize what this man has can save us. Sad to say, expressed this once before, the man battling with depression. I know we all know just a simple prayer, and those demons have to scram. The man could have come to life without having half his brain cut out. I'll never forget that wife of his, when she saw me, that sneer that came over her face. And she looked at her husband and sort of gave him the eye. Well, she gave him the look, you see. And he was quite open in a sense to what I had to say, but she gave him the look. And he shut up pretty quickly after that. And guess what? Not six months later, he went out into the countryside, attached the hosepipe of his car and gassed himself to death. Amen? Sad, sad. But that's a harsh reality. That's a harsh reality. What I'm saying to you and I is in any situation, before we start to operate, be aware of these things and do what we can to adjust it. Do you understand? Not to say, oh, well, they don't believe so. Sorry for you. No. No. Maybe that's the time to share a testimony of God's healing power, just to help them a little bit and say, can we pray now? Yes. Yes. Amen. And very often, let me just say this, that authority does not extend when you and I are praying for somebody who should know better. I just want to close with this illustration. Now we have Kenneth Hagin with his son, Kenneth Hagin Jr. Growing up, he used his faith, him and his wife used their faith to heal him of all childhood diseases. There came a stage where their faith couldn't work anymore. Did you know that? He prayed for his child, had an ear infection. Well, we'll have to go to the doctor because it's not working. He asked the Lord, why is it not working for my own child? The Lord said to him, your child knows better. He has seen what's happening. He knows what's going on. He needs to use his own faith. Amen? Can you see that? The authority he had to pray for this child came to an end. Hallelujah. Amen? And you see what happened then. The child, Kenneth Hagen Jr., said, okay, he exercised his own faith. He was totally healed from an infection that the doctor said would eventually cause him to be deaf. Nothing they could do about it. A foreign infection. 
Amen. But can you see that? There comes a time, let me tell you, in the church where people who should know better, it's no use me praying for them anymore. Did you know that? I will pray, but it's no use. Why? You've got to exercise their own faith. Are you hearing me? That authority now diminishes. I want us just to be aware of these things, brother and sister. Laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover isn't a simple thing of in any situation, just lay hands on the sick and... Yes, we must do that, but understand the atmosphere is important, the faith of the people, the environment's important, a heart attitude is important. There's no love in your heart, go home. Go home. Amen. And pray until the love is back in your heart and then go. Amen. Praise God. Does everybody understand what's going on here? This church is against sickness. Amen. We don't do sickness in the church. We don't do death either. If you want to die in this church, you have to get permission from me first. And I'm very sticky about it. <laughs> I mean, very sticky about it. We proclaim complete health over our people. Amen. But so much abundant health that we've got enough to give away. That is what God wants. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your precious word. Help us, Lord, to be available to do your will. We pray, Lord, for an increased anointing for healing in our fellowship, Lord. We speak now signs and wonders taking place where we go. We pray, Lord, for wonderful reports of people restored to full health, Lord. We know, Lord, when people are restored to full health by a divine act of God, it's so easy for them to receive you as their Lord and as their Savior, which is what you want. So we commit ourselves to you. I commit every one of us to you, Lord, as healing ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. Holy Spirit, fill us, I pray, once again, fill us with your power, because it's only the supernatural power of God that can do these things. We are merely messengers. We are merely conductors, Lord. But may we be good conductors so that the full voltage can flow through, Lord, unimpaired, unhindered. And that your kingdom might be extended. Yes, Amen. Praise God.